0: All right. Hey, surprise, it's me again. Pastor Coleman is up in Colorado, Parker, Colorado, with uh, one of our church plants we support, Cross Family Church. He is preaching up there this morning. And so we are going to be, you're going hanging out with me today. Um, and we're going to be starting in Ephesians chapter 3. I don't know if there's any Bible drill people in the room, but we're going to be all over the Bible this morning. And so you get to practice your skills But over the last uh, couple months, my son, Luke, has become obsessed with the car wash. I don't know if this is like a thing for all kids, but he's become obsessed with the car wash, specifically the one right down I-10 known as Bucky's Car Wash. It used to be, I don't know if it still is, it used to be like the largest in the world. Um, I went through a different one the other day, and it was like, noticeably really short. And I was like, I don't even know if my truck is clean right now. But he loves the car wash. And in fact, like the car wash to him is like an amusement park ride. I mean, it is like the the greatest roller coaster. Garrett went to Six Flags this weekend. I don't know what roller coasters they have there, but the greatest roller coaster. I mean, this is what the car wash is to Luke, he, he, every time we drive by, he's like, buppy car wash, buppy car wash, let's go to the car wash. I need an IC and the car wash, and I'm happy. Um, but the funny thing about it is, like, if I go through the car wash, I mean, I enjoy going through the car wash with him, right, because he's my son. But if I went through by myself, I'm, like, sitting on my phone or, like, I mean, I, my, 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 my stomach doesn't drop, my adrenaline doesn't rush, it's just cleaning my truck. That's, That's all it is to me. But Luke has not been exposed to anything else. He's never been to an amusement park. He's too short to get on a roller coaster right now. He hasn't been exposed to it. And truly, he can't even comprehend or imagine something like the Superman at Six Flags or something like the rock and roller coaster at Disney World. Like, he can't even comprehend, wrap his head around what that even is. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to be kind of riding on the coattails of the last two sermons. We're going to be talking about something that seems pretty basic. In fact, a couple weeks ago, our students spent an entire week talking about this at camp. But it's this idea that God is so much more than we know or even can imagine. And so in Ephesians chapter 3, the two verses... We looked at last week. Verses 20 and 21 say this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generation, forever and ever. Amen. And last week we looked at this verse. This verse is about like God doing work. So pleading, asking, prayer was kind of the the angle we took. But in verse 20, it says, Now to him, to God, this God, we see this characteristic of God tucked into the Scripture here, that he can do immeasurably more. Not that just that we can ask, but that we could imagine. And so I think of Luke riding this car wash. He can't even imagine a roller coaster, but like we can build roller coasters, right? God, God is like so much more than we can even imagine. Not just ask, right? Ask, we can ask for something we can imagine, but so much more than we can even imagine. He is he can do immeasurably, immeasurably more than that. If you flip with me back to the old testament, first Chronicles, chapter 29. We're at the end of David's life. They have just collected um, the offerings and gifts to build the temple. David is about to hand over his kingship to Solomon and, and die. And David, right here, he prays this prayer in front of the entire assembly. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, starting halfway through verse 10, it says this Praise be to you, O Lord. God our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting yours O Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours yours O Lord is the kingdom you are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you you are the ruler of all things and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And so, David, as being described as a man after God's own heart, a man that has walked with the Lord for, for, for a ton of his life, he has not been perfect, we know that, but he has walked with the Lord. He has seen the Lord do, do countless, countless things. But yet, in this description, this prayer of who God is, it's, it's only a, a, an aspect of God. There, there's so much more to God. He, he can only know God to an extent while he's here on earth. And so, no matter who you are in this room here, that's why I, I, when I was thinking, man, what, what should we talk about? This idea of God being so much more, it applies to every single person in this room. You may be a five or six-year-old in the room. Where are y'all at? They're not here. Or they weren't listening. There's one right there. Yeah. Five or six year old, you, you're, you're, um, you're at the like the the you've been at VBS a couple weeks ago and you're learning the basics of of the gospel. That God loves you, that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you to take on your sin. You're trying to understand what sin truly is, that God created you, that God created the world. These things, maybe you're in that stage of life as a as a five, six, seven, three, four-year-old. Maybe you're, you're in high school, uh, or, or you're a young adult, and the gospel, you understand the basics of the gospel, but you begin to realize that the gospel is not just for my spiritual life, but it actually applies to every single aspect of my life, every conversation, every situation. And you're learning how to take this truth of the gospel, the truth of this, of this scripture, and apply it to every decision you make in your life. And maybe you're in that stage, or maybe... And I'm i encouraged and challenged by these people in the room. Maybe you're eighty plus years old in the room, and you've been walking with the Lord since you were seven years old, three years old, whatever age, right? You grew up in the church. You've been at church every Sunday for eighty years of your life. You've been walking with Jesus decade after decade after decade. You you've been through highs, you've been through lows. And you're 80 plus years old. That is incredible. I, I, I just looked at you and I'm like, wow, that is awesome. But no matter what stage of life that you're in, there's so much more to God. And you only know in part right now while we're on earth. And it's not until Jesus comes back or until we, we die and we go to him when we see God and we, begin to, we understand in full who God truly is. So that's what we see in David here. He, he, he's expressing who God is, but it, it, it's only to an extent, right? It's all true about God, but he doesn't understand in full. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, we, we see another um, verse here uh, expressing the, the vastness and the greatness of God. In verse 8 and 9 it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see right here, we see this this picture, this description, that God is in a complete different league than us. I mean, you can have the best thought, the best way as, as a human, but God is completely in a different league. He is higher than our ways. He is, he is higher than our thoughts. And so we see this picture of the vastness and the greatness of God. And, and depending who you are in the room and, and how you realize or how you're, how you're taking that, it It may seem like God is so far removed and so far away. But if there's one thing that I want you to hear this morning, it's this right here. It's that God is holy. He's perfect. He's set apart. He's something other than us. He's powerful beyond our our, our understanding, powerful beyond we can even imagine. But yet, God desires for and graciously allows us to know him. God desires for, his desire is for us to know him. And that's not just his desire, but he graciously allows us to do that. If we wish, if we seek him. And So this morning, I've got three different ways that we can discover the so much more of who God is. And in a classic, I never do this, but in a classic uh, Baptist pastor way, I've got three Ps for you. The first one is this. To ponder the greatness of God. We've just read Isaiah, a great prophet in his writing about God's ways being higher than our ways, his thoughts being higher higher than our thoughts. And so let's flip over to Psalm chapter 46. I told y'all we're going to be everywhere. Psalm chapter 46, a verse you've probably heard, a verse you probably know, a verse that maybe is on your wall at your house. 46.10, 46.10, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So if we want to ponder the greatness of God, this, this text right here, it, it's calling us to, to stop and to slow down. Anyone have trouble with that? I, I, I struggle with that like so much. I, I, we have a camera in our house and every now and then we like go and look at it and like i'm like sitting on the couch watching tv i'll be there like five minutes and then i'm like oh i need some water and then i come back down and i'm like oh i need to go like move this chair two inches or whatever like i i struggle sitting still but right here in psalm 46:10, it says be still and not just be still for the sake of being still Not just being still for for the sake of slowing down, but being still and knowing that I am God. Knowing that I'm God and I'll be exalted among the nations, I'll be exalted among the earth. God is calling us to sit and to ponder his greatness, ponder who he is. If we don't think about God, we'll, we'll never understand the vastness and the greatness of him. Flip over a couple of pages to Psalm 77. Psalm 77 verses 11 and 12 say this. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your miracles of long ago. I'll meditate on your works and consider all your mighty deeds. So once again, what we're reading This idea that I'm going to remember the deeds of the Lord, remember the miracles of long ago. And I think we can look at this verse and we can think of two different things. Number one, there are miracles and there are deeds of the Lord that have happened in our lives personally. I can think back to the last 28 years of my life and how God has blessed me, what He's done in my life, the highs and the lows that I've been through, and I can think back to those and be reminded of those. I can also look at Scripture. I mean, everything in this this text happened. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just, oh, this is a great story, this great character, person, David, right here, that we're going to write about, slinging a stone and killing a giant. Like, it actually, actually happened. And we can think back on the deeds that the Lord did, the miracles that he performed when he showed his power, when he graciously showed who he was to humanity. Verse 12. I will meditate on your works and consider all your mighty deeds. We live in a fast, fast world. And these two psalms right here, we want to be still, we want to remember, and we want to meditate. And So maybe I I, I always say God has something different for each and every person in this room. Some people it's going to be conviction. Some people it's going to be encouragement. Some people it's going to be challenged to start something new. Maybe for you it's, I need to just slow down this week. And how, do, how does God bless me? How, how has he worked in my life? We want to sit and we want to remember. We want to meditate on that and ponder God's greatness. But, but further past that, we've got, we've got God. And the awesome thing is, is we live in like New Testament era and Jesus has come. Jesus has come, and he's died on the cross. He's risen again three days later, and he's now seated at the right hand of God. And we get to look at that, right? So flip with me to Hebrews chapter 12. If you're a fifth grader going into sixth grade, you have this verse memorized, hopefully. We learned it, VBS week. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, looking at the, pondering the greatness of God is pondering the greatness of, of, of God sending his son Jesus. God the Son, right Jesus, to come lived a perfect life, went to the cross, he died, and he didn't just die and go away forever, but he rose again three days later, reminding ourselves of this this picture of God sending his son Jesus to be stripped naked and hung on a cross, bleeding and suffering That's a picture of love, right? so we get to look yes at our at our God and, and and how big and vast and great He is, but we get to sit and remember the cross, right? I mean, we do it. We do it with communion every every quarter. We take the bread and, and, and the blood, and we we remember what Jesus did on the cross. And so, number one, we want to ponder the greatness of God. Number two. Kind of goes with it, but, but it's more internal, self-reflective. We want a personal evaluation of our sin. Ponder the greatness of God and now personal evaluation of our sin. Charles Spurgeon once said this, As the salt favor, flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived. And so Spurgeon is taking this idea that, that salt flavors every single drop in the Atlantic, in the ocean. I mean, you cannot go in the Atlantic anywhere, pull out a single drop of water, and there not be salt in it. As soon as it rain falls, it's like fresh, and then it hits the ocean, Salt. Every single drop of water in the ocean is affected by salt. And what he's saying is, same with our, from our sinful nature. Every single atom of our life is affected by our sinful nature. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. How do we want to know this so much more of God? As we ponder his greatness, we've got to understand the reality of where we are. Or were, right? If you're a believer in the room. That you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Not just, not like bleeding out, but dead, lifeless. Like there's nothing that you could do to save yourself except the work that Jesus did on the cross. Jump down to verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, objects of wrath. I mean, that, that is the reality of who, of who humans are as sinful beings, dead in our sin. So why do I put personal evaluation of our sin? Yeah, I think if we want to understand the so much more of God, we've got to understand our brokenness. We've got to understand the, 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 the reality of our sin. We've got to be, be real about it. Maybe you don't, maybe you wouldn't put it in words, you wouldn't say it, but maybe you live your life as if you actually could save yourself if you wanted to. Like sin isn't that big of a deal. You're not trying to rid your sin. I think if, if, if we're not moved by the work that Jesus did on the cross, if you're not moved by the gospel, you might have a small view of your sin. And so I think those two go together. I want to look to the greatness of God. Look to who God is, his power, his vastness, what he did on the cross, Jesus did on the cross. But I've got to understand that I can't be my own savior. Nothing can be my own savior. And as I begin to understand that, I begin to realize that God is so much more than I can comprehend or even imagine. Psalm 139. Another verse that maybe you've heard before. The end of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 say this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's this idea of of, um, sanctification, becoming more like Christ. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any sin in my life, any blind spots in my life. Reveal those to me that I may repent and surrender it to you. And you see the Lord do a work in your life and help you rid that of your life that you may see clearly more who God is. I was going to come up with a, like a little graph or something and throw it up here, but I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything. But as I was thinking about this, it's, just, it's like this idea that as I understand who God is, the greatness and the vastness of him, and as I understand the brokenness and the sin, understand the sin in my life, it's like we grow further and further apart. Like I've sinned a lot in my life, a ton. I sin when I don't even recognize it, right? And so as I understand that, I feel further and further apart, but in reality, I'm getting, I'm, my, my view of God becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. As as we're going apart, my understanding of who God is grows and grows and grows. So we've got, I'm going to ponder the greatness of God. Personally, I want to evaluate the sin, my sin. And the third one is this, partnering in kingdom work. Partnering in kingdom work. Flip to Acts chapter 17. How are y'all doing? Y'all finding them all? Acts chapter 17, verse 25, it says this. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives men life and breath and everything else. I I, I am constantly humbled that like, A, I'm standing up here talking to a room full of people, sharing God's word. I mean, you would ask me, Five years ago, never, never in my life would I have imagined this, right? Humbled that I, I, get to, I get to do life with students and point them to Jesus. I get to partner with parents. That, that, that kids may grow up knowing Jesus. And when they leave their house at 18, they go off and, and they, they continue to follow Jesus. I'm humbled that I, that I get to do that. And this verse right here is saying that, like, God is not—he doesn't need me. He's not, he's not served by me as if he needed anything. But in reality, he invites us in to a partnership in his kingdom work. He allows us the opportunity. And some people, like myself, we do it full-time. Others, you have other jobs, but you're still invited into that. You can be a light in your workplace, a light in your neighborhood— So how how does this grow our so much more of understanding who God is? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did y'all catch that? At the beginning, we had the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you are saved and, and a believer in Jesus Christ, you, he's the Lord of your life, the truth is the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so if we want to understand this so much more of who God is, We have the Holy Spirit right inside of us. Let's seek to understand the Holy Spirit because God's power is displayed through our helper in the Holy Spirit. Um, But what that's going to cause or or require us to do, it's going to require us to get uncomfortable. It's going to require you to get uncomfortable and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come through. There's been plenty of times I've been in conversations and have no clue what I'm going to say, and the Holy Spirit gives me the words to say. And I step back, and I'm not like, wow, awesome. Good job, Zach. You're, you're super good. I'm like, wow, God, thank you. That was incredible. And I begin to understand more and more of who God is. And the difference in the, the, the five-year-old in the room and the 80-something-year-old in the room is the five-year-old in the room they're, they're, they're just discovering this, right? He, he, even the, the high school, college person in the room, they're, they're just discovering how the Holy Spirit works in their life. The 80-year-old, they, they, have, they can reflect back on what all God has done in their life. All the times he stepped in, at a time when they, ha- they didn't have the power, they didn't have the strength, they didn't have the, the answers, the words, anything, and they're able to look back and say, man, God stepped in right there in that moment. And they understand that, hey, God is so much more than I can even think or imagine. So we want to ponder God's greatness, personal evaluation of our sin, partnering in kingdom work. Because our God God truly is so much more. And I've said it over and over and over again. Uh, Teddy reminded me last time I was here, I said, it's not about you. Over and over and over again. If you hear something this morning... God, the, the, the one true God, is so much more than you can imagine. And so if you're, you're stagnant in your faith, you're like, ah, oh, I can read scripture, but like I've read it over and over and over again. Like there is so much more out there in store for you. And God desires for and graciously allows us to know that. Graciously allows us to know more and more and more about him.